Welcome to our North Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you. For further information about our church, please visit churchnorth.com or check out our social media at Church North. Today's speaker is Pastor Dave Niblock. We're going to get straight into the Word of God today, and uh, we do want to thank you for last week. Last week was a huge week, and um, Monday I dropped my kids at school early in the morning, and the teacher said, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I think they thought I was hungover. I'm like, I'm not hungover. I'm just kind of tired from the day, which was amazing from start to finish, and then the after party, people dancing to, people were singing, you know, um, How Great Thou Art at 7.30, and then they were dancing to Freed From Desire in Archive two hours later. I don't know what kind of church we're becoming. Hope you've, some of you have still got these. These are for the city cars and you can put them on your fridge or you can just spy on people. Um, and I hope you enjoy them. And thank you for those of you that have helped with our giving. Obviously, we are starting from scratch. Okay. And so we are just trying to do everything we can to make sure we have good practices and principles in place. And so we never want anyone to feel under pressure or anything like that when it comes to giving. We are totally aware that at the moment, things are hard for a lot of people. The cost of living, how many of you know, is pinching everywhere, from your fuel in your car to your gas to your bread in the supermarket. We are noticing it everywhere. And uh, we're so grateful to those of you who are able to continue to give. And I encourage you to continue to do that in faith. And uh, we are very thankful we're going to speak. We have 12 pursuits as a church, and you saw some of them on the video. You can also see them on the wall as you walk into the foyer. We're going to spend the next few weeks and months each week going through a different pursuit. There'll be a few weeks in July and August where we pause it because obviously there's people away, and we want all of you to kind of be aware of these things. And so we're going to spend time talking about these things because these are really crucial because they shape the heart of our church family. There is a reason they are called pursuits. The reason we've called them pursuits is because we are honest enough to say that we haven't attained them yet. We're honest enough to say we are not at that place yet. We are going after them. We are chasing after them. Because what I've realized in life is the chances are if you pursue something long enough, chances are you'll find it. If you really go after something the chances are you'll probably find it. And so these are pursuits, and these aren't just ideas, but these are pursuits that we believe resonate with the heart of God. And so when we've written our 12 pursuits that we went to God and discussed as a team and prayed about and thought about, and you can see them in the foyer, you can see them on our website, you can see them on our social media, they're everywhere. There is one word which is the same throughout all 12. In fact, there's two. The first word is A, but forget that one. The second word is community. We are a community. A community is simply people of what? Common unity. People who have shared values, shared interests, shared beliefs. And we are a community. There is togetherness and a shared heart for God. So over the next few weeks, we're going to go in no particular order. This is not in like priorities because all 12 are as important as each other. But we're going to go through each one. And today, kicking this off, because it's the first time I've really preached as a new church. I know last week I tag teamed with John and we did 15 minutes each and we kind of just 
really kind of celebrated and thanked God. And this is the first time I've really taught and brought a message of teaching and preaching to our new church, North Church. And so I'm excited to do that. And so hopefully you are receptive to this first pursuit. And it is going to come on the screen. And this is the first one we are on today. It is a community. Let's read it together, shall we? A community of kind, humble, confident, and generous people who love to give their lives to serve God. I like that pursuit. Who love to give their lives to serve God. I want to read some verses to you found in Colossians chapter 3. These are the verses I want to read. So since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your new life is hidden with Christ. In circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with... It's coming. Clothe yourselves with, I will read it myself. <laughs> Let me know if it comes on. You can make some noise if it does. It says, clothe yourselves. Let me find it in my own proper Bible. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. In any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I'll read that verse again, that final bit. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. All of us at times, I think you would admit, sometimes imitate others. You might think you're your own person, but let's be honest, we are all influenced in some way. The reason you are probably wearing what you are wearing is because you saw it on a website, you saw it in a magazine, you saw someone else and you took a picture of it and found it online and now you're wearing it. Why? Because you imitate certain aspects of their life. We dress like others. We talk like others. We dance like others. We follow others. It's a normal part of humanity. And I know we all want to be our own individual being, but the reality is, come on, let's all admit, we are all followers of something or someone to some part. And it starts as kids. In fact, Gabriel, who is my two-year-old twin, um, every morning... When I wake up and I'll go downstairs and he'll, if, he comes, if he's downstairs, if he's not already down, he'll come down or we'll see each other. His first line he says to me is most mornings are this, morning dad, sleep well? <laughs> morning dad, sleep well? <laughs> no, I didn't sleep well, Gabriel, because you were up three times. <laughs> but the reason he says that is because he has literally carbon copied what I have said to the other children in our household. Morning, Jay. You sleep well. And he has imitated me and he has replicated what I do. Gabriel is too. He also lives in a football kit in the day and at night. The reason being is because his brothers love to wear football kits and so he replicates them. He is an imitator of what he sees and he is an imitator of what he 
his. And so when Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, he is titling this Rules for Holy Living. It is the blueprint, ultimately, for the imitation of Christ. Paul is writing to the church in Colossae and say, you need to imitate someone. And if you're going to imitate anyone, you want to imitate Christ. You want to follow how Christ lived. You want to walk and you want to talk how Christ walked and talked. And so that's why Paul the Apostle to this church, and I think he says it to our church because the word of God is still the same today. I believe he says, because we are God's holy people, then we choose, key word, we choose what we clothe ourselves in. I think Paul the Apostle is saying this, let's wear what Christ wears. (laughs) Take off what he doesn't wear and put on what he does wear. And I like Paul the Apostle's teaching. I I love what he writes through the epistles of Paul. Why? Because he helps us understand what I call the personhood of God. And I love the personhood of God. I forget we've got people to the left and right. I don't want to ignore you. How you doing, Gary? Okay. Hi, Luke. Get off Instagram. I can see you on Instagram. You should have your Bible open there. <laughs> he helps us understand the personhood of God. And this is why I think that's important. Because there are many aspects of God that I cannot imitate and that I cannot replicate. I would love to imitate and replicate some aspects of God, but the fact is, I can't. What do I mean by that? I cannot be omnipresent. I'd like to be, but I can't. I would like to be omnipotent, all-powerful. I would like to be, but I can't. I can't part the Red Sea. But what I can share in is God's personhood. And so there are some aspects of his nature that I cannot share in, but there are some aspects of his nature that I can. And Paul the Apostle is basically encouraging us to share in the things that were in the Father and were also in the Son. You see, Paul, much of Paul's teaching, much of Paul's theology is the removal of our flesh and the covering of the Spirit. It is getting rid of one part of our clothing called the flesh, And replacing it with another part of clothing called the spirit. Because it is hard, I would also say it is impossible to imitate Christ if we're not filled and led by the spirit. That's why Paul also says, or in the New Testament, there's no point judging unbelievers in how they live their lives or what they choose to do. There's no point judging them going, well, how dare you say that? And how dare you do that? And how dare you do? They're not filled and led by the spirit. So therefore they have different clothing on. And so, you know, we're not there to wag a finger. We're not there to judge and we're not there to condemn. We are there to welcome. We are there to receive and we are there to love. And hopefully over time, discipleship calls the transferring of clothes to Jesus clothes. But we are led by... The spirit, and it is the removal of the flesh. But if you are led by the spirit, what you do is you put on the clothes of Christ, the son, the image of the invisible God. And so if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. 
And if you know what, if you want to know what Jesus is like, I think Paul is saying, this is where it gets dangerous. <laughs> Look at the church. <laughs> I'm not sure that facial expression comes on our podcast. I'm not sure it resonates. If you want to know what God is like, Look at Jesus. If you want to know what Jesus is like, and that's where it gets challenging. Because the church, our church, every church, doesn't always do the best job in imitating Christ. The church doesn't always have the kindness of Christ. The church doesn't always have the humility of Christ. The church doesn't always have the generosity of Christ. Which is why then some people come to church, look at church, talk to people in the church and go, hold on, something's not adding up here. Sure, I'm interested in God and I'm interested in this faith thing. But when I see the imitation, you're okay, maybe I'll come back another time. Which is why this is so challenging as a pursuit. And that's why it's called a pursuit. Why? Because how many of you know we're not there yet? We're not there yet. And maybe we will never fully attain the kindness of Christ. Maybe we will never fully attain the humility of Christ. But I tell you what, let's all give it a go. We might not maximize it. We might not get there. He's the son of the living God. But let's do our best. (laughs) That's why it's so crucial. Because it's not... This pursuit is not just about us being nice Christians. It's about us living different to the world. Exhibiting Christ-like qualities to each other. Not just to me and you, but to those who are in your workplace. To those who are on your street, to those who are in your communities. And not just exhibiting those qualities on a Sunday. Exhibiting those qualities all day, every day. And here's me being honest, there are times in my life where I have been and I still am unkind. (laughs) Don't agree to that and be amening that and affirming that. But But it's true. Anyone with me, there are times when I've been unkind and maybe I've been unkind to you. And if I have been, I apologize. Times we've all been unkind to each other. There's times when I have been lacking in humility. There's times when I've been lacking confidence. And there's times when I've been lacking in generosity. Why? I was thinking about why. Like, why are those times? Why has that happened? Because my default, without God's help, is to what I call retreat into me. Without the help of the Spirit of God, what I do is I retreat into me. I go backwards into me, myself, I, my flesh, my own way of doing things. But what these qualities do, kindness, humility, confidence and generosity, these cause us to advance out of me rather than retreat into me. This is making sense. Let me put it like this. The more I retreat into me, I become self-obsessed. I store up things for myself. I want to make sure I'm the first in line. I want to make sure I'm the one who's recognized and noticed. 
I want to make sure that I don't miss out and I'm not lacking. But as long as you are, it's fine. As long as I'm okay, I retreat into me. But as I'm more led by the spirit of God, I retreat out of me and I begin advance out of me. And I begin to change. You see, the character of God and the character of Jesus is to come from heaven to us, to draw near to us, to serve us, to give to us. It is the message of the gospel, John 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever might believe in him should not perish but would have everlasting life. It is the message of the gospel not to retreat into ourselves, but that God would advance out and meet us where we are at. And so therefore, Paul is saying, you can keep retreating into yourself, but that is simply living and giving into the flesh Or you can advance out and be led by the Spirit. And that's where you'll start to clothe yourselves in kindness and generosity and humility. I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20. Look what it says. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. To put off what? Your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, but to be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self-created, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing... must steal no longer, but they must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. It is like a parent talking to a child. And I know this is the first Sunday of this message, of this series of us being a new church, and it might sound kind of patronizing, and I hope it doesn't. Because I don't want to patronize anybody in here, because it does feel like me talking to my kids. But I don't want to be in an unkind, proud, arrogant, stingy church. So therefore, it becomes a pursuit. It becomes important to us to talk about. Be kind. What does it mean to be kind? Sounds so simple to be kind. You know when you meet someone kind? How many of you know you can see it sometimes? You know someone Ab sometimes says to me, they've got kind eyes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Kind eyes. I don't know what you mean, but I kind of get what you mean. Kind eyes. You can see it. You can hear it. You can also feel it. Here's the thing with kindness, okay? Being kind to those who can't give you anything. Being kind to those who have been unkind to you or to others. And being kind, this is the hard one, when you don't feel like being kind. (laughs) I love the story of David and Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel 9 because David 
says, is there anything I can do for the sons of Jonathan? And there is a, there is a son called Mephibosheth, and the Bible calls Mephibosheth a cripple. It's a horrible word, but that's what the Bible calls him. And he's cast out. He's not welcome. He's just, he's kind of just such an outcast because of his physical state. And the Bible says, David says, who can I show kindness to? Why? Because kindness is visible. You can see it. It is shown. And David welcomes Mephibosheth into the table, into the kingdom, into the palace. And he basically says, you're welcome to come and eat here. There will always be a place here at my table for you to come and eat. I love the story of David and Mephibosheth. Why? Because it is also a prophetic picture. We are Mephibosheth. We are the cripple who don't get invited anywhere and got welcome and can't be included, can't get up to the table, can't maybe look after ourselves like others can. And yet David the king, Jesus the king, invites us to the table with him because he wants to show his kindness to us. Kindness is not doing something for someone else because they can't but because you can, (laughs) because you can. It's showing kindness because you can show kindness maybe to those who can't or maybe those who can, it is what you can do. Do things for people, not because of who they are or what they can do in return, but because of who you are. And because I'm led by the Spirit, because I have Jesus' clothes on, I want to show kindness. And so Jesus, with all of his qualities, was kind. He was kind to the sinner. He was kind to the unloved. He was kind to his family and friends. And he was also kind to his enemies. Church, may we be known as a church that is kind. (laughs) When people talk about our church in this region, they might say, oh, I know that church. Not that has a big screen or not that has a cool graphic or a cool website. Oh yeah, I know that. Is that the, that's, that's the kind church. May we be known as a church that is kind. Be kind. Secondly, be humble. Everybody say humble. Be humble. <laughs> the opposite of humility is really to be arrogant. It is to be self-righteous. It is prideful. It is all about me. And let me tell you, it is not a good look. How many of you girls don't like guys who are arrogant and make it all about them? And the vice versa. It's not a good look. Humility is much more of a beautiful quality. Put Christ's clothes on, who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I once heard this quote about humility, and maybe you've heard it before, but humility is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less often. We sometimes think humility means we need to walk around going, no, 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 no. Someone who comments on your shirt, nice shirt or nice pair of trainers, no, 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 please don't. Please don't. These shoes, you like these shoes? Nothing to do with me. All about God. Give it to God. If someone comments on your shoes, if someone comments on your hair, if someone likes your car, say, hey, thanks. Just don't make the whole thing about your car. Don't make the whole thing about your shoes. Accept the compliment and move on. (laughs) But sometimes 
We lose humility because we want everything to be centered around us. Look what it says in Proverbs 11 verse 2. It says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. And I want to say this, church. I, I feel like a bit of a parent, a bit of a teacher today. I'm too young to be that for many of you in here. But it, it is what it is. This is the message. Let's say this. It's ne- we are, let's never be too big, too important to pick up a vacuum cleaner, to move a chair, to talk to some people that you don't know or can't be bothered to get to. Let's not be too big, too important to help somebody who needs some help and ultimately to do what we should do and be who we should be. Let's be a humble church. Let's be a confident church. Let's be a confident church. Now, you might notice I've not read confidence in any of these verses. You might be like, well, how are you going to crowbar confidence into this? I'm not trying to crowbar confidence into this verse. But the reason we added confidence into this pursuit is because we believe, we've said it before, our conviction in Christ should bring a confidence in Christ. Not a cockiness, but a confidence in God and a confidence in your calling and a confidence in who God has made you to be. Because I believe a confident church becomes a bold church. And when your church is bold, you can make some movements and you can begin to grow an influence and you can help people and you're not scared and fearful and you're able to step out. Confidence is a major thing for people. In this room, if I said to you, how many of you want to grow in your confidence? I imagine a lot of you would say, yes, that's me. And when I was thinking about this, actually over the next few weeks, I would like to do some training and maybe help people grow in your confidence. Some aspects of your confidence. Because here's the thing about confidence. The reason some of you lack confidence here today is for a couple of reasons. Either, number one, somebody stole it. Somebody, somebody stole it from you. Or number two, someone never instilled it in you. Either way, guess what? It's not your fault. So if you're lacking confidence today, it's not your fault. Because somebody probably stole it from you by what they said or what they did. Or somebody never instilled it in you. Either way, it's not your fault. But I do believe you can grow in it. The Bible says, do not throw away your confidence, for it will be richly rewarded. And I think the root issue of confidence is a trust issue. Do you trust yourself? Do you trust each other? Do you trust us? Do you trust? It is a trust issue. And as you can grow in your trust, if I got you up here and I said, fall back, do you trust me to catch you? You'll have a confidence to fall back. But if you don't trust me, guess what? There's no way you're going to have the confidence to fall back. Let's be a confident church in Jesus' name. And fourth and finally, and Luke, you can come and join me and then the band can come in a minute later. Let's be generous. <laughs> Let's live like John Norman said last week, open-handed. How God has been to us, may we be like that to others. I'm going to ask you a question now. Have you ever been out to dinner with a bunch of tight Christians? (laughs) 
It's the worst. Have you ever been out to dinner with a bunch of tight Christians? Some of you are like looking at me like, I don't know what you mean. Here's, you'll get one I know what, in a minute. When the bill comes and you're trying to split the bill six different ways. Well, I didn't have ice in my Coke, so I'm not paying for the ice. Well, did you order ketchup? I didn't order ketchup. Well, I'm not, I'm 15p, it's 15p for the ketchup. Well, I'm not paying for the 15p. Who ordered the salad? And how many of you know, at the end of a bill with Christians, only Christians, we're always short five pounds at the end. Why is that? Whenever you go out with Christians, you're always short five pounds. I'm joking. Some of you resonate. (laughs) Here's the thing. Being generous doesn't mean being frivolous. Doesn't mean just splashing the cat. Who wants to go five guys after? I'll go, I'll buy everyone. And then you're in debt, you're skint, you can't afford it. You're trying to pay it. Sorry, rejected. And everyone's like, oh, I'm sorry. Doesn't mean being frivolous. You can still be generous. In fact, some of the most generous people I know are in fact very prudent. It is the generosity of God towards us. Proverbs 11 says, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. But yet another withholds unduly. And the Bible says, not me, comes to poverty. Because there is something about generosity. The Bible then goes on to say in that same passage, a generous person will prosper. Doesn't say a prosperous person will be generous because generosity will always come before prosperity. And we're not a prosperity gospel church, but we believe you can be blessed by God and we believe you have been blessed for a purpose and we believe you have been blessed for a reason. And as you live generous, God has the ability to live open-handed with you as you live open-handed with him and as you live open-handed with others. Generosity is not an amount issue. It is a heart issue. Not only generous with money. That's not what we're simply only talking about here. But generous with everything. Generous with your words. Generous with your stuff. My neighbours this week have lent me a lawnmower, an extension cable. They've lent me a strimmer. And even took me yesterday to the skip to get rid of all my grass. Generous, spirited people. Be generous with ideas. And my prayer is that this church would become outrageously generous as a church so that we can be a church, three lines, three words, for the city. That is why with all of our clothing, it's not about, we're not making a penny from any of this clothing. 100% of the profits are all going to be going back into charities in Leeds. And this month, we know it goes to the charity that is providing beds for children in Leeds who don't currently have beds and are sleeping on the floor. That's just the start. It's just the start in our first month. And every month, we want to allocate those funds to different charities because we want to be a generous church, a community of kind, humble, confident, generous people who love to give their lives to serve God. Key word, love to what? Give their lives to serve God. Serving God is not a chore. Serving God is a privilege. I need to close. The band can come and join me. But look at this final verse in Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6, if we have that. It says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? 
Shall I come with burnt offerings? Shall I come with calves that are a year old? Maybe the Lord would be pleased with a thousand of rams or with 10,000 rivers of olive oil. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? (laughs) To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. It is simple Christianity. We don't have to be a million things. We don't have to excel in a million things. But what we do need to do is act justly, be kind and walk humbly. Let's be the church down the road that is kind, that is real, that is down to earth, that is generous. Let's put it like this. Let's be the church full of good people full of good people in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet.